the three-hour long run rule, or should you do back-to-back long runs? Whenever we get into marathon training season, we start to see a lot of questions roll in about long runs. Oftentimes, people focus a lot on the long run because when we do that actual marathon event, it is a very long run. However, we often see people put an overemphasis on the long run, which causes the athlete to compromise the rest of their training. The question we want to be asking ourselves as we gear up for the marathon is, am I training or am I testing my fitness on these long runs? It can be tempting to want to hammer out 20 miles at marathon pace or at a pace slightly slower than marathon pace, but what is the purpose of that run? Is it what's best for our overall fitness and our training altogether, or are we simply hoping to see where our fitness is at and hoping to get that confidence boost that we want for race day performance? In this podcast, we're going to be talking about a few things when it comes to long runs because it is pretty prevalent this season as we have a lot of people who are gearing up for fall marathons like Chicago, New York, and we're going to be doing a deep dive into the questions that we often get about these long runs. So oftentimes we will post on social media that we recommend limiting your long run to about three hours in duration. And sometimes athletes will do back-to-back long runs instead. And we'll talk about all that is encompassed there. Number one, we're going to go over what pace should your long run be. Then we're going to be talking about what distance should most of your long runs be. And then we'll also cover why there is a three-hour long run rule. Then we're going to go into almost a different topic, right? So a lot of times we're talking about that long run but I really want to talk about that accumulation of miles and what you are actually missing out on if you're doing these monster long runs every weekend and it's causing you to take multiple days of recovery off in between or you're just feeling like your legs are very heavy for several days after, which maybe is causing you to compromise on other areas of your training like that weekly uh, workout that you should be doing and that sort of thing. So we'll talk about that accumulation of mileage and why that's important. And then we'll talk about other options for long runs, right? So a lot of people, when we say a three-hour long run, they start doing the math. And for people who are expecting to finish a marathon in five, six hours, they might only cover in an easy long run um, 13, 14 miles. And so they start to worry, like, how am I going to finish a marathon if my longest run is like 13 or 14 miles? And so we'll talk about the option to do a back-to-back long run instead of doing all of your mileage in one single run. So as we kick things off, I think it's important to talk about the pace that most of your long run should be at because that really sets the foundation for the rest of what we're gonna be talking about. Um, Oftentimes because we're talking about duration-based running here because three hours is that rule that we, we mentioned, but that really is going to vary from person to person how far they're going to get because it's going to take into consideration what pace you're running. And so the amount of mileage that you're going to be doing is just a factor of the duration that you're going to be out there and what pace you are running. So those runners who are a little faster and those elite runners, they might be covering, you know, 24 miles in three hours. And so for them, it, it's not really a huge 
mental loop for them to kind of get through and and worry about because this rule doesn't really seem to to rub them the wrong way but when we have other people who are maybe only covering say their easy pace is 10 minute pace you only are going to be hitting 18 miles which i still think is a really long run but Mm -hmm. you're going to be hitting 18 miles for that long run and some people start to worry like hey how am i going to go another 8.2 miles on race day and feel strong so let's talk about what pace most of your long run should be at so that example of the person who is doing 10 minute per mile for their long run if we kind of break it down let's look at what they should be doing um, for like a 5k performance right so someone who's running about 10 minute pace for a long run if it's truly easy we would want to be able to see that their 5k pace is probably somewhere in like the eights right or maybe even faster um seven or eight per mile somewhere in that range yeah that's a great introduction you know um i think one of the biggest things i see with new athletes is um you know the pace the pacing of the long run they put so much emphasis on that right and so um I guess for me, when I'm thinking about creating a plan for an athlete, it's all going to depend on, like, as far as how often I'm going to insert a workout into a long run, that's going to depend on the athlete's experience, um, how how many um, times they've raced a marathon, how many halves they've done, all of these factors, right? So if I have a first-time marathoner, I'm going to prescribe the majority of their long runs in their easy pace range. So as you were saying, if if that athlete's VDOT um, calculation indicates their easy range is about 10 to 11, that should be the pace that their long run is their long runs are done at right and then hopefully they're able to adapt from those recover from those well and then still you know hit a hit a quality workout during the week um, and still build that mileage as we go as we continue on through the training cycle Um, there may be a point in time if if things are going well where i I decide to insert maybe a a couple miles or a half mile here and there of marathon pace work so for that athlete it might be closer to nine minute pace but again, that has to come with um, sort of like prerequisites have to be met, right? Before we start to add in pace work into those long runs. So I think the best thing to do is just start reintroducing, um, you know, in, you keep your, your long runs at an easy pace, especially if you're coming off an injury or you're a first time marathoner. Yeah, a lot of really good advice there. Most long runs should be done at an easy pace especially if you're newer to racing the distance. I think the time to add in pace work is once the distance is no longer a challenge in and of itself. Um, Oftentimes for my athletes, our longest long run that we prescribe, I have them do that at an easy pace, 100%. And oftentimes it's those runs. So maybe they're doing a handful of runs, um, like their longest runs are 18 or 20 milers. We're probably going to have a few runs within the training cycle that are 14, 15, 16 miles. And in those shorter runs, we're going to have some pace specific work because Mm -hmm. for them, their body is more adapted to doing the 14, 15, 16 miles. It's not, it's still a huge stress on the body, but their body is adapted to going that distance. They've done it dozens of times probably in the past. But then when they go and step up and do those 18, 20 milers, maybe they've only done those a handful of times. And so it's still a huge stress on the body and they don't really need to have a bunch of pace work introduced into those long runs. Because you really want to think this is like a progressive overload. And oftentimes if you're going to add in um, distance, so if you're going to do your first 20 mile long run, that's a huge stress on the body. And so you don't want to also on top of that add this additional stressor of going at the fastest pace possible that you can run for 20 
miles or at a fast pace or even a moderate pace. You want it to be done at a lower intensity so that your body can adapt to the one stress variable, the new stress variable, which is going that distance. And so I think there is an appropriate time to be adding in pace work. And I think it is really important once you get to a certain level, but we also want to make sure that we're training in a progressive manner. And so making sure that most of our long runs are done at an easy pace, we do that to ensure that our body can adapt to the stress, that we can come back stronger, build endurance, and we're able to get in more long runs and we're able to train more consistently. Oftentimes what I see happens when people do a lot of their long runs at like a moderate effort or like a gray zone, so maybe it's around marathon pace or 30 seconds per mile slower. What I find happens is it takes them longer to recover from those runs. I also see during the week they're having workouts being compromised. It's just not really a great setup for success because whenever you're doing something with your running, and it's going to pull from the rest of the variables that might be happening. So you might think, oh, it's not a big deal. My body can handle it. And it's like, yes, your body can probably handle it, quote unquote. But do we want our body to be, quote unquote, handling it? Or do we want our body to be adapting and building in an appropriate manner so that you can reach your potential on race day? And so we really want to be super intentional about how we're training and the why behind our training. So yes, can you go out and run your long runs at marathon pace? Yes, you can. But why would we do that, right? And so we want to think about what's going to happen if I do that, right? So I know that can be tempting. Um, but we are going to, in this podcast later, talk about what's going to happen if you do make that decision. And we see it time and time again. People will come to us after doing that for years and years, and they're very frustrated because they don't have the extra gear on race day. They have people that are saying, hey, you should be able to run faster based on what you're doing your long runs in, and they're just really burning the candle at both ends, and they're not allowing themselves the chance to really reach their full potential. Yeah, that was all really well said. And I think the reason people want to run these long runs so fast is just to kind of, you know, prove to themselves mentally that they, you know, to basically boost their confidence, right? Um, But, you know, you were saying that those long runs, you should be able to feel like they're not challenging anymore. And that's the kind of the secret to being able to add add and introduce more pace work into some of those long runs. So you could argue that, you know, a 20 mile long run at an easy pace is probably going to be easier than doing a 15 or 16 mile uh, workout during your long run, right? And so that's kind of the level we want to move athletes in that direction so that they can start to introduce some of those that pace work. But having really good control, patience, discipline, that's really the key um, in helping you, you know, get to that level and, and um, everything you had said, basically agree with. And uh, I think that kind of ties into the next question about the the distance, right, of those long runs. And so um, typically when I'm making plans for athletes, a lot of times this is going to consist of their recent background, their training history. I'll do like a, a two-week build and then a one-week cutback. And so everything's going to be sort of periodized based on the number of weeks that we have leading up to the race. Um, so for some athletes, it might be a one-week on, one-week off. Or for the occasional athlete, it might be a three-week build, one-week cutback. Right. What distance should most of the long runs be? I think that's a really common question. And I think it's really just going to depend, right? I don't really like for marathon training or half marathon training, but it really comes into play marathon training and beyond. I don't like to talk about it in terms of distance. I think it's really important to go in terms of duration. So we want to think about how long are you going to be out there, period. So I could sit here and say, oh yeah, it would be really great for everyone to get between 14 and 16 miles, but that's like not helpful because 
it's more about how long you're going to be on your feet, how much time is it going to take you because certain adaptations are happening within your body at different points during the run. So at 90 minutes, there is an adaptation that's happening at two hours, at two and a half hours. And then at three hours, that's where we actually see um, the benefits start to really go down. Like there's not a lot of benefit from going longer than three hours and then the risk for injury, it just skyrockets. So really the sweet spot for long runs we like to prescribe is between 90 minutes and three hours. And so the bulk of what I'm prescribing as a coach usually is between the two to two and a half hour range when we're talking about marathon training. And that's gonna stay consistent regardless of if you are a six hour marathoner or if you are a three hour marathoner, I pretty much will always prescribe about two to two and a half hours for the bulk of the long runs. And the reason being is because we really wanna train in a manner that's going to have those adaptations for our bodies and so for some of our athletes who maybe are only going to be covering 12 miles in two and a half hours, we might do a little bit of a back-to-back long run. And again, that's going to be because the accumulation of miles is also extremely important. Um, We don't wanna just not run really at all during the week and then have this huge long run on the weekend. It is really important that our bodies go into these long runs with an accumulation of weekly mileage so that we're in a slightly fatigued state so that our bodies are used to running on tired legs. There's a lot of benefits to that. And so a back-to-back long run, while that sounds like a very daunting task, like what does that mean? Um, It could be something as simple as doing a 75 to 90 minute run on Friday evening after work, and then waking up the next day and doing a two to two and a half hour long run. And so that's not um, the same as some of these ultra marathon plans you might pull up. It'll be like do a three hour long run, a three hour long run the next day. So something that's a little bit more tangible, that's more entry level for, hey, maybe back to back long runs could be something you could do is starting really basic and simple. So at the beginning of your marathon training, it might look something like Friday night, you're going on a 60 minute run. Then the next morning you're doing a 90 minute run. So in the course of like 18 hours, you're going to cover two and a half hours of running and then you build from there, right? So maybe then peak marathon training, you're at something like a one and a half hour long run Friday night, and then you're doing that three hour long run the next day. And so that's something you're building up to over the course of 16 weeks. So you're going from doing two and a half hours of running within 18 hours to doing something more like four and a half hours of running within 18 hours. And oftentimes the question that I'm getting is, Oh, for back-to-back longers, you have to make sure you're hitting like 20 miles. And no, it it doesn't matter. Don't really think about the mileage as much. Think more about time on your feet. And that's really what I'm looking at. And yeah, you might end up running 20 miles. You might actually end up accumulating more than 20 miles. Because if you're thinking of an athlete who, I don't know if in an hour they're covering about five miles, what you're gonna have for that peak run would be seven and a half miles on a Friday night. And then if they go out and do that three hour run the next day, it's about 15 miles. So we're looking at 22 and a half miles. And sometimes if you are doing back-to-back long runs, you might actually be going further than what you would be doing if you did one run all straight through, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. And I think, you know, it's a, it's always very, um, when, when you have an athlete training for the first marathon, for example, kind of finding that balance, right? Like, do I have more back-to-back long runs or do I have more singles? And trying to figure out that balance 
can sometimes be tricky and also experimental, but I think it's really important to um, make sure that you're structuring cutback weeks as necessary, right? And then as you um, build your long runs throughout the training cycle, you know, your backpack long run the first early on in the training cycle might look like um, seven and 12. And then later on, it might look like 11 and 15, you know? And so as you mentioned, the, the accumulation of time is going to increase as you go. Um, and really, as you, you, you also alluded to earlier about the basically the metabolic adaptations reach a point of diminishing returns once you hit that around that three hour range. And so that's really the, um, the rationale behind why we want to keep it for most athletes below that. Right. Um, now, is there some research that supports going over three hours? Yeah. For specific athletes, but we have to remember everyone's Mm. body is so different and they probably got to a point where they ran so many long runs at two hours and 30 minutes and then like two hours and 50 and then at three and then 315. Um, and then the other thing to think about too is the calories that they're consuming during a lot of times some of the, those athletes are consuming upwards of a hundred grams of carbs per hour, if not more. And so most of us aren't going to be doing that because we might take, you know, two gels every hour. Um, even if you take three gels an hour, that's roughly going to give you 60 grams of carbs, but, uh, it can be difficult to fuel that much. And, you know, like you mentioned too, the the more times you kind of step over that threshold, your injury risk goes up. And so if you are going to step over that, just make sure that you're doing everything else that you can to prevent um, the recovery, you know, being extended. So like feeling really well in the days leading up to that. Um, Cause there's a lot of individual factors that affect recovery from any long run distance, right? Um, based on, you know, the athlete's nutrition during the run um, in the days leading up to the run what was the intensity of the run so that's the other thing too if you're going to be going longer are you keeping it at the easy pace um did the athlete run on like hard or soft surfaces because all of these things can can affect the energy that was um exuded uh footwear cushioning um how well was their sleep leading into that so many other factors and so i just think it's um you know something that there's not one magic run that's going to help you perform on race day so just by running a single three hour long run or a 20 mile run that's not going to be indicative of your performance um it's more of the accumulation of miles that you talked about right yeah that was a really good point because like you were saying it's not like once you hit three hours oh my gosh automatic injury it's just more of the it is riskier right so anytime you're going to be doing something like riskier with your body it's really good to evaluate and make sure like is this the right thing for me personally to be doing today is this what's going to get me to my goals and i think it's really important to be evaluating what your goals are and being really honest with yourself right so if you're someone who's training for like an ultra marathon like 100 mile or that sort of thing um and you've already done multiple marathons you're someone who has done ultra marathons in the past and you know that like you can get to three and a half hours you can get to four hours in a long run because you follow all of these rules and you've built up there over the course of decades Yeah, definitely. Like by all means, yes. But like if you're someone who maybe is newer to marathoning, maybe you've never done a marathon, maybe you've done three or four, um, but year round you don't run regularly two hours on the weekends. We do want to be really thoughtful and intentional about how we are training because jumping from having your longest run be maybe what, like 45 minutes to 60 minutes to all of a sudden 16 weeks later, okay, yeah, let's go out on a four hour run. That's a huge stress on the body. And even if you do build up to it over the course of a couple of weeks or a month or two or a couple months, it's still drastically different than what you were probably doing six to 12 months prior. And so we really want to be careful with how many of these like quote unquote riskier decisions are we making with our training? Because we've seen so often with friends, with people we know in the running community where 
people decide to take the riskier route and what ends up happening is like an injury. And so if you do get a bone related injury in the sport of running, that's an automatic six weeks, nothing. You are not going to be running for six weeks. And so one of the reasons why we definitely advocate for the less risky approach is because when you start teetering the line, right? Um, running is very stressful on the muscular skeletal system. And there are a lot of people who do establish bone related injuries in the sport of running because of the repetitive nature, because when you're out there and you're running all several times a week, and then you go out on these really massive long runs, um, over time, it can just really stress the, the bones. And if you're not getting adequate recovery in between, it's just your body's not able to repair. And then all of a sudden, boom, um, something happens and that's something that's going to take you six to 12 weeks to recover from. And we've seen it happen, unfortunately to people. And, um, one of the best ways that you can avoid doing things like that is taking maybe the less risky route when it comes to training decisions like that. Another thing, I mean, I'm not trying to like scare anyone, but I mean, it does happen. Um, the other thing that's really important when we think about, Oh, like I could just go out and run for four hours that my body would be able to handle it. It's like, okay, sure. But what are your goals, right? Like let's address what is your goal for a lot of people. We see a lot of people coming to us for coaching. Oftentimes it's a time related goal in a marathon or half marathon. Um, and so if you have like a time related goal, typically that means that you probably are hoping to get faster at the marathon distance or the half marathon distance. And if you really want to reach your potential when it comes to speed in these longer distance events, it's not all about the long run, right? So like we know that you can probably run the 20 mile or if you're even questioning, hey, should I go 20 or should I go 24? You probably have pretty good endurance right now. Um, that's not really like the question, right? Sometimes we need to be adjusting other parts of our training. Sometimes it's not the long run. That's the issue. Sometimes it's why are we not doing a medium long run during the week? Why are we not doing a workout during the week? Are we compromising the rest of our weekly training because we are choosing to do this massive long run that's destroying our legs for seven days until we go out and do it again? So I oftentimes see that the long run does cause runners to compromise those weekday miles. And that's unfortunate because if you're only doing maybe like one quality thing per week and that just so happens to be your long run that you're doing basically at marathon pace, that's actually not the best stress that you could be giving your body. Um, there are a lot of more specific marathon workouts that could actually be getting you faster and getting you more fit for the marathon distance and be, being able to race and carry a fast pace over a long distance. Oftentimes people get so wrapped up in, oh, I have to go marathon pace. I want my body to get used to marathon pace. But I don't even like to prescribe marathon pace stuff that much until we're like six to eight weeks out from the marathon. Um, and even when I am doing that, it's pretty much only during long runs. And we are having a weekday workout where we're going faster than marathon pace. We are going to be doing a lot of threshold work. And so what I do over the course of a 16 to 20 week marathon cycle for my athletes or myself, it's almost all threshold, right? It's like we do 80% of our mileage is easy. And then 15% of our mileage is going to be threshold. And then maybe like five is marathon pace. We're not really doing anything that's VO2 max because the marathon doesn't really utilize that system. It's pretty much all aerobic. And so I really like to have our athletes focusing on doing a lot of threshold work. And we find that that brings down the, um, the result of the marathon a lot faster 
than the overemphasis on like marathon pace, marathon pace, because you're actually not getting a lot fitter doing marathon pace work. You're just kind of maintaining your fitness level, if that makes sense. So if you actually want to get fitter over the course of a marathon training cycle, we have to be stressing the right system. And that would be your threshold system. And so where I see a lot of people going wrong is they're doing a lot of marathon pace work. They're just maintaining fitness. And then they're kind of disappointed on race day when they haven't really made a change in their fitness level at all from the last marathon. And it's because they haven't really done any workouts that would change their fitness. Yeah, that was really well said. You know, as you get into those last like six to eight weeks, you know, typically your the main focus is just increasing your endurance, right? And your, your body's ability to be able to handle the time on feet and also just uh, getting those mental edges that you're going to need to help prepare you for your race. Um, and so, you know, this whole conversation just, it reminds me of just how important it is to periodize the, the long runs and the buildup. And I know if you miss one, sometimes that can be tempting to just like jump back in and then all of a sudden, so let's say you missed your 16 or your 17 mile run. So really the longest run you've had is 14 and now you're just going to jump up to 19 and that's not Mm. always smart. And so I see this frequently. Um, another common thing would be, you know, you mentioned obviously, um, maybe maybe that week goes well for you you have a pretty good workout and then you do your long run you feel great but then you get sick after so not Mm. not necessarily um, an injury that's going to set you back but an illness and so that is fairly common as well and it's really important that we don't just um you know just overdo it one week so everything has to be sort of building and gradual and if you have a minor setback i think it's important to sort of hit the reset button and figure out what can we do to connect the dots now without just overdoing it um and so that's really the nice thing about having the app training peaks for us as we build our athletes training is I'm, it seems like I'm constantly making adjustments during a marathon training cycle. It's pretty rare that an athlete is going to hit all of the workouts over the course of, you know, 16 weeks, um, hit every run. And so there's usually some adjusting that happens. And I think that that can be really, um, really powerful in helping the athlete not get too down in the dumps, but also to help set them up for success. And sometimes things just happen and you might go into the race a little bit under train um, or a little bit maybe not as mentally prepared or as sharp as you wanted, but the goal is really just to get to the starting line and to be able to participate. And I think that that, that really is key. A lot of times we put so much pressure on like that one, the one day and the outcome. And that's sort of why we have to like do these workouts or these run, these long runs is to like test that, right? To, oh my gosh, I gotta be able to do this to be able to do it on race day. I had an athlete recently that had to run, he did all 26 miles during a training run because mm-hmm. he just wanted to test mm-hmm. to himself that he could run the whole time without stopping. And he did it in about 11 minutes slower than what his goal would be. So that's actually mm-hmm. not much slower, <laughs> no. if, if you ask me. But I've seen athletes make those types of mistakes and um, we'll see how his race goes. It's, he still has some time, but it's just um, some athletes can get away with sort of you know, overstepping a little bit as long as you're very cautious and you're, you listen to your body and you kind of dial it back. And then two, you have to think about just all of the individual um, differences and experiences that every person has. Because some people's bodies are built a little bit differently. Maybe they can handle more endurance. Um, maybe other people are more speed oriented. So, um, uh, but- right. And I would say like, if you can handle something like that, like if you are that person where you're like, well, I did go out and run 20 miles at marathon pace or slightly faster and I still ran my marathon pace. What I would say is that you probably have a lot more potential than you're giving yourself credit for if you're able to like quote unquote get away with something like that. Um, What that is usually a sign of is like you have your goals or maybe you're setting them a little bit too low because you could be if you're able to run like your athlete um, that fast in in a training run it, it makes me start to question like okay maybe 
we need to like do a time trial, see how hard you're able to push yourself in these shorter distance events. And then we need to maybe adjust like what are your goals for the marathon? Because maybe your potential in the marathon is actually a lot mm-hmm. faster than you initially pegged yourself for. Because if you're able to go out and like do it in a training run, right? Like that is definitely... Um, an indication that there's a lot more potential within you for sure. And I see this happen all the time, actually. Um, it's it's actually really common when you're maybe like newer to the sport, I think. Mm-hmm. Man, like a decade ago, my brother did like one of his first half marathons. And I think like a week before he went out and he did a half marathon just because he even, and I asked like why he did it. And he was like, I just wanted to prove that I could do it and see like what I could run. And right. I remember we were like, you're going to run so much faster on race day. And he was like, no, I don't, I don't think so. Like it's a fluke. And it's really hard for people, I think, to trust the process. And a lot of people listening maybe just think, oh, that's kind of funny that he didn't think he'd be able to run faster on race day, which spoiler alert, I think he ended up running 10 minutes faster mm-hmm. in the race than what he did on his own. And he was very surprised. But I think anyone that knows a lot about running, that's not really surprising to them because it is showing that these people do have a little bit more potential. And maybe that's you. Maybe you have a little bit more potential, but maybe there's certain things that you're doing that are maybe holding you back. And so I think it's good to always be assessing what are some things that I could be working on as an individual and is this the smartest way for me to be training? And always just thinking of new ways to challenge yourself to step outside of your comfort zone, to really be able to reach that potential and to achieve the goals that you have set for yourself. And if you're ever interested in working with a coach, we do help a lot of athletes train for marathons over the fall and even next year. Anytime that you are looking to maybe step outside of your comfort zone and really see what you can achieve in the sport of running, having an outside perspective can be a game changer. I know for me personally, when I was stuck at the four hour marathon barrier, I just thought, I'm not made for this distance. I'm not made for the marathon. And then as soon as I started getting coached by an outside perspective, I was able to take significant time off my marathon. Now I'm a 254 marathoner. And a lot of that is thanks to people pushing me outside of my comfort zone and really challenging some of my weak spots in training to allow me to really flourish and reach my potential in the marathon distance. So if that's something that's interesting to you, if you really want to see what you can do in these longer distance events and really be challenged in new ways, we would love to connect with you more and get you set up with a free seven day trial working with a coach. So you can fill out the form on our website at www.runforprs.com for that free seven day trial. Again, that's www.runforprs.com. Thanks for tuning in.